Pastor. Good morning, church. Boy, the last guy you expected to see up here this morning, huh? Hallelujah. Praise God, I'm glad to be here too because, you know, I've got something important to tell you about today. Do you know we serve a God of miracles? Can you say amen? Can you get excited about it? Let's give him a praise offering. We serve a God of miracles. And you know, you may not realize it, and if I get time to get into it, up here you're looking at a, at a miracle because I'm somebody that should not be standing here today if not for the love of God, for the love of Jesus Christ, Him willing to die on that cross, to be beaten and whipped and ridiculed and tortured and to die for me in my sins, I would not be here today because I promise you I did not grow up in a normal environment and uh, demons have been after me all of my life. But you know what? God is greater. Amen. Something I like to do before I start, you know, the Bible tells us to let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And so I get up in front of congregations periodically and I say so. So, follow me here. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say amen. 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 We got a full church of redeemed people. And that's a great thing. I'm going to be in Joshua today. I want you to turn to Joshua if you have your word with you. And if you don't, shame on you. (laughs) Now I tell you what, I'm not the brightest crayon in the box. I'm a little bit slow on the reading and there's a reason for it. But follow me, I don't let it stop me. And you know what? You shouldn't let it stop you either. I'm going to be in Joshua chapter 7. And as we're getting there, I want to pray. Heavenly Father, come to you in prayer. And Lord, just, Father, I lay myself before you at the foot of the cross. God, you know everything about me. You know the secrets. You know the things that I've hidden, the things that I've hidden from everyone that knows me, the things that I'm, I have difficulty talking about and the things that I've had difficulty overcoming. God, you know the ugliest stuff, but God, you love me anyway. And so you know I'm nothing. You know that I'm nothing without you. Lord, I pray for a mighty anointing. I pray that you anoint me to preach your gospel because, God, you know I can't do it on my own. You're all that counts. I submit myself to you now as your humble servant. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, with your goodness, and give me, empower me to present your word. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Beginning with verse 2. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai. You know, it seems like these places that have two letters in their location are trouble. Ai. L-A-D-C. What's up? What's up with that? But, but we won't go any further chasing that rabbit. Which is beside Beth-Avon and on the east side of Bethel and spoke to them saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and they spied out Ai. 
And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not let all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So about 3,000 men went up from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men. For they chased them and before the gate as far as Sheburim and struck them down on the descent. Therefore the hearts of the people melted and they became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening and the elders of Israel and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought me this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites and to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content to dwell on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before, before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut us off and our name will cut off our name from the earth and then what will you do for your great name so the Lord said to Joshua and I love this part get up (laughs) he tells him he says get up get up why do you lie thus on your face Israel has sinned and they have They have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived, and they have also put it amongst their own stuff. Well, that's a problem. You know, you're not supposed to steal from God. Do you know that God will give you pretty much everything you need? He does that. He knows what we need even when we don't know what we need. And He also will give us the desires of our heart under the right circumstances. He won't give us something that's going to destroy us. He's a Father in Heaven and He loves us. Just like you love your own children, He's not going to harm us. So, something happened here. They went in trying to take the city and it just wasn't going to happen. I guess if today's sermon had a topic, it might be trouble equals opportunity. And uh, I'm not real big on titles, but it seems to fit here. And if we looked at uh, what happened with them at Ai, we would see that there was trouble. I want to skip down to verse 21. Now there was a reason for this. And God said that Israel had sinned. And that there was deception. And that there was thievery. And then finally when they get around to who was responsible... This is what he had to say for himself. When I saw the spoils, a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and I took them. And there they are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. So here we have an admission of guilt. It's not just that he stole. He stole from the storehouse of God. He stole from the provisions that were there to take care of the people of Israel. He was disobedient 
And a lot of us can't, can't grasp hold of this because we grow up in an environment where it doesn't mean a lot if people take things. We, we've come to accept it so much we just get insurance. And insurance pays for it sometimes. I want to skip down to verse 24. Then Joshua and all of Israel with him took Achan, which is who the culprit was in this case, the son of son of Zerah, and the silver, the garments, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them into the valley of Achor, into the valley of Achor. Joshua said, why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all, all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire. And after they had stoned them with stones, then they raised over him a great heap of stones. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of that place to this day has been called the Valley of Achor. The Valley of Achor. And you know, to most of us these days, it really doesn't have a whole lot of significance, uh, the name Achor. We don't really pay a whole lot of attention to, uh, to what that means. But you know, Romans 6.23 tells us what the wages of sin is. What's the wages of sin? Death. Amen. The wages of sin is death. So in that case, the wages of sin was death. And uh, living under the law was a harder time. And here we have more grace. We're New Testament uh, people. But do you know what? God chastens the people that he loves. Those that he loves, his children, tells us that in Hebrews 6. So, I don't know. Maybe you feel like you're going through some hard times or some things are going on with you. Well, maybe it's just because you're being chastened because you need to be maybe something's not quite right in your life and God's just merely trying to get your attention but you know we also serve a God that knows how to forgive amen I want to go over to Hosea and give you a second to flip over there if you have your Bibles and shame on you if you don't it's a good thing to have your Bible what if the power went out? Oh, we don't have them up there anyway. But we're going to go to uh Does my head look bald against that background? Some of you get hair, some of us don't. Going to go to Hosea chapter 2. And in chapter 2, we're going to start with verse 14 and you know what? I'm re- really I'd like to skip around a lot, but in this particular instance, I felt really led to share the entire, um, the entirety of 14 through 23. Now, God does chasten us. But you know, after he gets his attention, after he got Israel's attention, he has a different way of dealing with us. Just like you do with your own children. Let me tell you how God is when when he finally gets our attention. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, Israel. I will bring her into the wilderness or into the desert, depending on your uh, uh, which Bible you're reading out of. I will speak comfort to her or I will speak tenderly to her. 
I will give her vineyards there. And the valley of Achor, which is also translated from the Hebrew, trouble. The valley of Achor is what? A door of hope. So trouble became something very important here. I will give her the valley of Achor. And makes reference to that valley. I will give her the valley of Achor as a door of hope. She shall sing there as in the days of her youth as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. And it shall be in that day, says the Lord, that you will call me my husband. In other words, there's a relationship of intimacy as the bride of Christ. We are his, in other words. And no longer call me my master, for I will take from her mouth the names of Baal, uh, Baals, the idols, in other words. Do you have any idols in your life? Think about that for a minute. Now, no, we're not going to make a graven uh, image or a statue and then put it over in the corner of the living room. Hey, look what I made. Let's get down and bow it. We don't do that these days. We get our game, boys. <laughs> we, we get our video games going. We get our Harleys. No, I'm sorry, Harley. Potato, potato, potato. They actually patented that sound, by the way. But, you know, we have different things that become idols to us. And sometimes they can even be people's uh, people. And I might even talk about that in a minute. They shall be remembered by their name no, no more. Something will become more important. That's God. And that day I will make a covenant, uh, covenant with them. The beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and with the creeping things of the ground bow and sword of battle I will shatter them from the earth to make them lay down safely I will betroth you to me forever how long forever amen praise God yes I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice and loving kindness and mercy I will betroth you to me in faithfulness no more will we look for those idols and you shall know the Lord. It shall come to pass in that day that I will answer, says the Lord. I will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth. The earth shall answer with grain, with new wine, and with oil. They shall answer Jeriel. And I will sow her for myself in the earth. I will have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy. What about you in your time of trouble? Is it time for mercy? Then I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people. And they shall say, you are my God. They shall say, you are my God. People with me. You are my God. You are my God. Repeat it with me. You are my God. He is our God. He loves us. He that would send his son to die on an ugly cross for us, for our sins, Jesus Christ, who would be willing, not made to, not drugged to the cross without knowing what was going to happen, he who would be willing to die for us, he died for you and me, our sins, our transgressions, and even our hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And that's terminology that we use and celebrate recovery. Celebrate recovery, I'll get to in just a minute. But uh, God is a merciful God. He, he's forgiving. He's kind. And you know, all that time I thought he was going to hit me with lightning bolts. 
Every now and then, you know, sometimes he'll whisper words of sweetness. And then other times, with a hard head like me, he has to use a two-by-four. Because I was pretty hard-headed. But he got my attention, and somewhere along the line, I started listening, and things got better. I want to give uh, uh, just a couple of sentences about uh, Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery meets on Friday nights here at 7 o'clock. And we're, we're not just a Bible study. There's a men's oil field fellowship that meets, and, and they go into the in-depth part of a Bible uh, the Bible study, and that's a great ministry. Then on Friday nights, we have this uh, uh, this other ministry, Celebrate Recovery, that, that reaches and starts untying the knots of addictions and hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Alcoholism, drug addiction, pornography addiction, uh, codependency, food addi- uh, addictions, uh, anxiety, uh, depression, anger management issues. I could go on and on and on. I'm going to shorten it. Sin. All of that big list that I just mentioned, all it is, it's sin. It's stuff that carries you away from God. And the whole idea is to get back to God, to step toward God. And you know, we've taken this big, huge Bible here, and we've taken some of the spiritual principles someone else did, not me and not Celebrate Recovery, but they've condensed a lot of the important uh, principles into 12 simple steps to help us take steps that are going to take us down a journey that's going to heal us, help us to forgive others, help us to forgive ourselves, help us to find God's will in our life, help us to help others. And uh, I'd like to thank uh, Mike Neneman, who was actually one of the uh, beginning founders. He was my partner in setting up Celebrate Recovery. So thank you, Mike, for helping me with that. Now, there's an interesting story about that that I'm going to go into quickly. I was laying in my bed in the middle of the night, and God kept waking me up. My wife had told me North Dakota, we're supposed to go to North Dakota. Yeah, I, you know, I wasn't going to listen to that. You know, Missouri's a little bit warmer. I wasn't going to listen to it, but I kept waking up. And every time I'd wake up, North Dakota was the, first, was the first thing that came to mind. And I said, no, God, I'm not going to North Dakota. And I don't like cold weather. And a series of events uh, took place. And before I, I knew it, I had a way to make a living, a roof over my head. I... Uh, I knew I was going to have to have a support uh, of a church. And what God was telling me that the Celebrate Recovery was supposed to be a little unique. Most of the time, CR is hung under the banner of a church. And it is, it is ran by that church and pastor. And doesn't really have a whole lot to do with the outer areas, the, the other churches and denominations. What he told us to do was put it in the middle run it out of a church of course but to reach out and work with all of the denominations so I made this phone call to this guy one day and I said you know you're going to think I'm crazy uh, pastor but I feel like I feel like God is telling me we're supposed to come to North Dakota and start a ministry and I was just waiting and thank God I thought he started laughing and <laughs> you know how Pastor Sheldon does. Says something, he gets, yeah, that thing. Yeah. He, he starts laughing, and I thought, thank you, Jesus. He thinks I'm crazy, and I'm not going to have to go. 
And his words were this. He says, Robert, where have you been? We have been praying for you for six months. I have been praying for God to send us someone to start a recovery ministry in our church. When I hung up the phone with him, I knew what had to be done. I, uh, what do you do? God will go to great lengths to get your attention, and he went to great lengths to get mine. And uh, I finally listened, and I told God, I said, God, I don't care what it is. You give me six months, and I promise I'll start, finish, and be gone. I didn't even bring my wife up here the first six months. I absolutely was sure that I would not have to bring my wife. Six months later, honey, I need you to come up here. Boarded up the house. Here she is. Six months has become three years. Three years we've been here working with the guys and gals in the oil field and helping them with them with their hurts, habits, and hang-ups. We work with all of the area pastors. I said at a ministerial meeting, my first one, I said, I'm your missionary, your missionary, your missionary, your missionary, and your missionary. And I don't care what denomination you are because, quite honestly, God doesn't care. He doesn't see color. He doesn't see denomination. He doesn't... He doesn't see hair or no hair. What he sees is somebody he loves. And so it took off from there, and we were trying to figure out how many people have channeled through Celebrate Recovery over three uh, years, and it's been somewhere around 300 people plus at this point that have come through, and then you know how transient this place is. All right, so Celebrate Recovery, Friday night, 7 o'clock. If you're trying to figure out what kind of ministry you want to belong to, that's a great thing. But what about your personal life? Do you have baggage? Some of you might even be sitting out there wondering, have I gone too far? Have I made God so angry that maybe I belong in the Valley of Acor and I'll never come out? Sometimes he lets us go through the valley to let us know what the valley is like, knowing that he is going to help us climb the mountain and we're going to see the mountaintop. And what you're going through right now may just be for a season, probably is just for a season. And God's talking to you. He's whispering words of sweetness. He's, he, he's wanting to draw you up out of that. And he's wanting to tell you how much he loves you. He wants you to depend on him. And you know, we do things. We read our word. We go to church. We have people pray for us. We pray with other people. We, do, we take those steps. But sometimes it's hard to go into a church setting and we're to confess our sins to one another. Let's face it, some things are hard to talk about, aren't they? And some things we would just die if they knew. We believe, we believe in confidentiality and celebrate recovery. We... Uh, I'm very protective of the people that come in there. And uh, our leadership team is very protective. As for me, what qualified me for Celebrate Recovery? I didn't want to give but a few minutes to this, but you're probably looking at the most broken toy in the toy box. When I was born, I was born to a couple of parents that were alcoholics and addicts. And before uh, fetal alcohol syndrome had a name, I was born very sick and almost died. Satan wanted me. Jesus said, no, he's mine. (laughs) So I didn't die. My legs were all twisted up my feet, and they said I'd never walk. Well, 
You know what? I can walk. (laughs) Doctors don't know everything. They're great people, but I serve the great physician and he heals. And so I walk. Uh, My father left when I was 12. It was a very violent uh, set of circumstances that I was in. I was severely abused as a child, uh, so much in fact that it had weakened the muscles on this side of my head and this right eye of mine disappeared up under the uh, eyelid. And uh, I was traumatized. Some people call it PTSD uh, these days. And I had developed a stuttering and I would talk like this. And I went through three years of speech classes to get rid of that. So... When I would stand up uh, in front of a large crowd, I would either start crying, I would leave, or I, I, I even wet on myself a couple of times. And so, you know, that's pretty personal stuff to share, but the thing is, I want you to understand we serve a God of miracles. Father left when I was age 12, age 13, I started doing and selling drugs. I actually started drinking when I was five years old. I would go around when all the adults passed out, and I would pick up whatever was there, and I started drinking it. Everybody thought it was funny to see the little kid wobbling around and falling down. Uh, My, when I was five years old, five years old, parents actually sold me. My grandmother found out about it. She got on a Greyhound bus and she went out of state to retrieve me. And uh, I won't go into what all that took, but it was not a good set of circumstances. And uh, she retrieved me. I never would have known who my family was. She brought me back and my father, mother, and grandmother and I lived in the same house at that time. And uh, it's the only way she could protect me and I would sleep with her, and she slept with a loaded gun uh, under the pillow to protect me. And so that, that's how bad things were. By the age 13, I was using and selling drugs. Uh, first time incarcerated, age 13. I was mean. I mean, I was mean. And uh, the gang made me meaner. And the things that we did, uh, they were ugly things. And so one of the things, one of my jobs in this gang was boosting cars. And my goal was I wanted to be able to boost 18 of them by the time I was 18. So uh, I, would, uh, I would steal cars, 18 years old. Uh, somewhere along my life, I ended up with somewhere between six, actually it was seven DWIs. Uh, or DUIs, depending on where you're from. Six of them were on record. Uh, fighting, drunk and disorderly. Uh, <laughs> by, by that time, I was actually uh, tied up with uh, what was known as the Dixie Mafia running one of their money laundering outfits. And uh, it was adult theaters, bookstores, and, and all of that as they weren't, uh, pornography was not uh, readily available on the internet as it is today. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> It was a messed up situation. I had a messed up life. Most of you don't know this about me, and most of the time I don't share this stuff. But I want you to understand we serve a God of miracles. I finally ended up homeless and suicidal. Overall, I tried to commit suicide three different times. Once by drowning, once by uh, rifle, um, 
And uh, the only reason that didn't happen is somebody seen me. They wanted me dead so bad that they, uh, they quietly walked away and was going to let me finish myself off. I didn't do it because it made me hate them more. And so that, that was a way to get even with them, staying alive and making them as miserable as I was. Then uh, there was a third time when I was homeless. Yeah, I was homeless. I would dumpster dive. I would eat out of dumpsters. Um, you're looking at a guy that used to steal all the time uh, to be able to survive. I would sell drugs. Whatever I had to do to be able to get a drink or drug, <laughs> I know y'all don't know that about me. Kind of, kind of strange, isn't it? Things change. I ended up homeless, and I went through the DTs, delirium tremors. You get very sick. Uh, if you don't understand what it is, look it up. You get very sick, and I went, I went through a torturous time. I was malnourished, depressed, suicidal, and when I finally got to a point to where I just couldn't take it no more, I busted open a raisin, they had a razor that they had given me uh, when I was incarcerated just days before that. And I knelt down. And I remembered hearing when I was a kid that if you kill yourself, you might not go to heaven. Well, God knows what to do with hurting people first off. I'm never going to debate that. What I do know is God is great and he knows what to do with people that hurt. And I laid my wrist out and I started cutting. And I said, God, please forgive me for what I'm about to do. But life just hurts so bad and I can't take it anymore. And I kept talking to him and as I kept talking to him, I <laughs> I felt this presence in the room with me. Prior to that, I had seen dark shadows that were moving all around the room. What I understand these days is being demons. They were in and out of the furniture, through the floor, the walls. They were, they were scaring me. And all of a sudden, they were all gone and the room lit up. And there was this bright light and just tremendous warmth. And all of a sudden, I felt like I was cradled felt like I was cradled in the arms of Jesus and that day the Holy Spirit came to me and I felt the Holy Spirit and I stayed on my knees between two and three hours I was afraid that if I got up off of my knees I'd never see him again two and three hours on my knees when I got up like this bear in mind I'd been in the DTs three days of misery I was healed Praise God. I was healed. I was not sick. I was delivered at that moment. He took the addiction away from me. He took the pain away from me. 22 years clean and sober and delivered now. I've never had a desire to drink or drug. The guy with a ninth grade education ended up getting a bachelor's degree in business. The guy that was unemployable ended up with uh, business couple of business actually the guy that nobody wanted I have the most wonderful wife in the world Stephanie stand up please stand up stand up there's a reason <laughs> so
Celebrate Recovery is a gender-specific group. Ladies, if you have personal problems that you want to start untying the knots and working with, come see us on Friday night. See that lady. Let her channel you into the group and start helping you untie those knots. We can show you how. Men, you'll end up with me, and I'll get you with a sponsor and Celebrate Recovery. Life is sweet. Life is good. The guy that nobody wanted who was a thug in the gang... Now is considered a leader in the community. I work with all of the different churches and denominations. I've preached here now. I've preached in the First Lutheran Church, the Wesleyan Church, the Presbyterian Church. We serve all of the churches. We sat in a Catholic service the other day. We serve all of the pastors and preachers because there's pain and suffering in every congregation. Now you, what are you struggling with? Don't look at me like there's nothing. There's something in your life that you would just cringe if you stood right here and God flashed it on that screen up there. There's something. We can help you work through that and want to. Let us help you. Now we're... I tell you, we're running short on time now. We're actually over time and we need to close. And I could go on talking about Jesus and God forever and ever because I love Him with all of my heart. He changed my life. You're looking at a guy that should have and could have died several times over. I've been in cars with bullet holes in them. No reason I should be here other than the grace of God, His love and mercy. What He did for me, He can do for you. And if you're wondering if you've gone too far, you're looking at a guy that He uses in ministry that probably went further than you did. And that's the only reason I even talk about the ugly stuff. I want you to know you have not gone too far. Now as we uh, start to close the service, and um, I thank you for letting me share Pastor Sheldon, I'm so sorry that God had to make your back hurt for me to be able to have a chance to share. But Pastor Sheldon, I love you and I consider, my, I consider you a great friend and a wonderful pastor. And it's, it's been a tremendous, uh, just a tremendous blessing to serve you in the Assemblies Church and this community. Keep me in your prayers, me and your wife and our leadership team, and all of Celebrate Recovery. Now, we're going to be closing in prayer, and I want you to, I want you to think for a minute. You, something crossed your mind, whatever you're struggling with, just a few minutes ago. I want you to put it back in your mind. Maybe it's even problems with another person, your spouse, your child, your parent, a co-worker. What is it? Because this is the time to literally take it. And sometimes when I'm praising, my hands are like this. And sometimes you see them turn like this. And when I'm turning them like this, I'm literally putting them on an altar of prayer before the Lord for Him to see them, for Him to take them out of my hands. I'm giving those problems to Him. As we pray, take, take whatever that is. And lift your hands and give it to Him. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, as we come to You in prayer again. God, we love You. 
God, I love you so much. Jesus Christ. You who died for me. Holy Spirit that came and was with me in that, the crawl space of that house where I almost took my life. I love you so much. And I know you love me. That's even so far beyond my comprehension. There are hands lifted in the congregation and if not even in the air right now, in their hearts. Show yourself to them. Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit to just enter into the recesses of our spirit, our soul. And God, deliver us. Deliver us from those demons that follow us. Deliver us from the hand of Satan, the enemy. God, we give them to you right now. And Lord, two or more gathered in your name here. There are many of us. And collectively... We believe and receive the blessing of deliverance right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. God, I pray for each of these. Where there are tears, where there's pain and suffering, God, we pray that you just take that out of them right now. And that God, you fill them up with your goodness and your love and your peace. Now, Lord, I'm going to ask you for something strange. Aggravate them. I want you to get in there and just stir and aggravate them and agitate them and and work them up and make them hungry to serve you, God. Heavenly Father, we just pray that they become people who want to do your work. God, I thank you that you took my, my pain, my suffering, my troubles, and the weapons that Satan used against me, you've turned them into powerful weapons against the enemy. Lord, all of those that lifted their hands in the air and their hands in their heart, Lord, I just pray your blessings that you will take, that you will take them and you will take those pains and turn them into powerful weapons against the enemy. Now, Lord, I pray your blessings on this church, the pastor, the leadership. Lord, thank you for them, for the loving and sweet spirit, the eldership of this church. God, I pray that you continue to guide them and lead them and direct them and just pour your Holy Spirit out all around this community. Bring us people to serve and pray with and love on. Show us those who are hurting and anoint us. Give us the power. Empower us to help them. In Jesus' name we pray and love you. Amen. Now, I know I went a little over, and I apologize for that. I didn't mean to be rude, but I felt like there was something very important to tell you, and that's that you're very important to God, and it doesn't matter how far that you've gone down. Pastor? Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Robert, for sharing with us today. Guys, to just encourage you this morning that, you know, God has a great plan and purpose for each of your lives. Don't sell yourself short. Allow God to use you in whatever capacity he does. I just want to encourage you guys and bless you today in the name of the Lord. And uh, just have a wonderful Christmas season as we're entering into the new year. Why don't you greet someone before you leave? Tell them that God has a great plan and purpose for their life. Lord bless you guys.